Hello and welcome to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. It is a podcast about the Twilight Saga. I'm Sam. And I'm Lori. <laughs> um, today we're discussing Chapter 8 of Twilight by Stephanie Meyer, which is Port Angeles. That's not our music, but it is music. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> is that our music? No. <laughs> Do you have any general Twilight uh, New Year's resolutions, like hmm. for the podcast or for your own personal Twilight journey, TM, TM, TM? I really <laughs> want to go to the Pacific Northwest yes. to see the filming locations, especially after reading this Port Angeles chapter. Mm. I really want to go to Bella Italia and eat some mushroom ravioli. <laughs> what I was thinking was... <laughs> Did I completely miss the mark no. on resolutions? No, no, no. Like, I was thinking about going to Port Angeles and, like, seeing all the sites, but, like, all the sites are just, like, the alley where Bella almost gets raped. <laughs> the department store. You can, like, go on, like, like walk Bella's path. Oh, of, like, my God. <laughs> almost being gang We should do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy, what a chapter. Oh, boy. It's like, I hate this chapter, but then I love this chapter. Yeah, it's really good. It's in, okay, it's really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know if I agree with, like, anything that happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very entertaining. It's like... <laughs> page <decide> 152. <laughs> Starting on page 152 for those reading along at home. The girls... The girls TM are, are driving. Going, they're, yeah, they're going to Port Angeles to shop TM for prom TM. Jessica is the driving person. I Just, try to say driving gay, but this is a... A heterosexual Very straight um, outing. Although, so. I would say that page 152, Jessica yes. is trying to get Angela to talk about her type, mm-hmm. and Bella covers for her so that she doesn't have to. I'm like, that is huge lesbian energy. I wrote, let Angela be a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, also, what's an estrogen rush? Yes. Yeah. That Bella um, says that she has an estrogen rush from her girls' night out. And it's like, she spends time with men a lot yeah a lot charlie um like she has men at school that she yeah, spends Mike. time with i mean obviously edward is the person that she can think about the most think about the most <laughs> talk to the most she's just spent quite a bit of time with jacob but it's not like she doesn't have women in her life yeah her mom maybe she just misses her mom maybe she misses her mom mm. yeah i guess it is an adjustment going from living with like a maternal figure to a paternal figure hmm um, Sounds like it's night and day, honestly. Yeah, or yeah. life and death. Sounds like it's life and death. <laughs> Sounds like it's life and death. Bella describes Port Angeles as a beautiful little tourist trap, much more polished and quaint than Forks. I completely forgot that this little scene existed. First, like, couple pages where Jessica and Angela and Bella are shopping and Jessica's asking Bella about her, like, dating history, basically. Yeah. I, like, totally forgot about this conversation. And Bella confirms that she's never had a boyfriend and that she didn't go out very much in Phoenix. Basically, Bella realizes that Tyler wants to take her, or Tyler's telling everyone that he's taking her to prom, and she's really mad about it. Yeah. And I totally forgot about them talking about that in it, this part of the book. It's just, like, such an approach Oh to yeah. just give no indication or warning to the person, but be like, yeah, I'm taking them to prom. I'm taking her to prom. 
She does say, do you think that if I ran him over with my truck, he would stop feeling guilty about the accident? He might give up on making amends and call it even. It's I love that. <laughs> so powerful. She talks about that later with Edward as well, which is hilarious. And like Edward like kind of smiles about it, which <laughs> I really love. That's like the logical conclusion for her is like, well, I have to fucking hurt him. <laughs> and the- then he'll stop. <laughs> Bella, the superhero, like the vampire superhero is just like... A vampire who runs you over with her truck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't use her vampire powers on you. She just hits you with her truck. Absolutely. And so then the girls, TM, uh, (laughs) shop for dresses. My favorite line, Jessica's picking between two dresses Mm -hmm. and Bella encourages her to go with the blue one. Why not play up the eyes? Why not play up the eyes? She narrates. Yeah. It's like, what? It's really weird. (laughs) It's very out of place. Yeah, because Bella never puts that much thought into the clothes that she's wearing Mm -hmm. through the narration. Like, she never talks about that. We never get more than, like, the color of her shirt or blouse. Yeah. And, like, her jeans, I guess. Yeah. And also Angela's pink dress brings out the honey tints in her light brown hair. Wow. It's fascinating. Fascinating. I was wondering last episode when uh, Bella was going to learn that they, the Cullens don't come yes. when it's sunny and this is it. In yes. the book, it's Angela who shares that information with Bella rather than Jessica in the movie. Bella's like trying to casually ask why the Cullens are gone so much. Mm-hmm. I love Angela. Angela, yeah. Angela is like, you know, when the weather's good, they go backpacking all the time. Even the doctor, they're all real outdoorsy. She doesn't ask one question. And then Bella's like, let alone the hundreds that Jessica would have unleashed. I was really, I was beginning to really like Angela. Me too. Same. Angela's just trying to give that information. (laughs) I'm not an Angela. I'm a Jessica. If you have to pick between the two, I'm a Jessica. (laughs) me like avoiding talking about the next part of the chapter (laughs) yeah honestly i was just reading this and like in my soul Mm. in my heart i know what happens in this chapter yeah obviously i've seen the movie so many times i've read the book multiple times yeah and it's still every single time i'm like oh yeah she's gonna go shopping with the girls she's gonna go to the bookstore and then they're gonna go eat dinner and go home and no one everyone's fine and everyone's fine and then every single time i get to this chapter or this part of the movie yeah. i'm like oh yeah right right this right, shit right, right. happens right yeah it's i know what happens and it still like strikes fear in me the way that stephanie meyer writes it I'm yeah like, is this a horror film it's also kind of like so quickly dismissed edward remarks about this later on but uh-huh. I don't know, the the car crash thing is something that, like, I mean, more people know about it, so it makes sense, but it's mentioned so much more, and it has so many more, like, true. references to yeah. it, like, through this whole Tyler prom thing, whatever, and then Bella's like, haha, almost got gang raped. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. Edward's a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever almost get gang raped and then go on your first date? <laughs> Honestly? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> What I'm most mostly thinking about, so just plot-wise, what's happening here is Bella gets turned around looking for a bookstore in Port Angeles and is almost assaulted by four men. Yeah. I was just thinking a lot about how different it is from Life and Death, Mm -hmm. because we knew it was different just in terms of, like, what is happening, Mm -hmm. but, like, the way it feels to read it Mm -hmm. is so different as well. Yeah. This, I just feel like, is so, maybe much more of, like, a plausible thing that could happen. And something that Bella is, like, not adequately prepared for because you can't ever be prepared for that, but mm-hmm. she has a lot of, like, knowledge about what she is supposed to be doing in this situation. Yeah, yeah. And she's, like, listing things off, like, oh, I should 
walk faster. I could drop my purse. I should think about where my pepper spray is. All that stuff. And maybe that's a gender difference. Mm -hmm. But also, like, this is something that culturally people are told happens. Mm -hmm. Is this, like, stranger jumping out of the bushes myth about Mm -hmm. rape and sexual assault. That statistically this is, like, not what a sexual assault case typically looks like. Mm -hmm. It's not the norm. But it's something that is very present in, like, culture and media as, like, the idea of what the norm is versus, like, when Bo goes through this, it's like, oh, this is not relatable at all. No. He has no preparation for what to do being, like, held, like, a gun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It, like, changes everything. Most people don't have, like, gun safety or being held at gun point, like, training or... Any knowledge. I feel like with Bo, it's a completely concocted situation. Yeah. Whereas with Bella in this, she immediately knows what's happening. Yes. The whole sequence is her being followed slash herded, which mm-hmm. is her word, which is not something that they do to Bo. No. He just, like, shows up, like, stumbles into these people and right. they have a gun. Yeah. Um, so, like, her whole sequence is very different from his in so many ways, but also just, like, in the in the way that... Like, there's, like, this sort of suspense, yes. and we, like, are going through her proce- her thought process and, like, all those things in a way that with Bo, it was just, like, so random and, like, fabricated. I think fabricated is, like, a really great word for it because, like, Stephanie had to even set up that scene mm. earlier in the book by having True. Bo run into someone while he was with Charlie. He happened to stumble across the same people in Port Angeles, which is like this huge big coincidence, mm-hmm. versus like this could happen to Bella anytime. Yeah. Versus or like anyone anytime. Yeah, anyone. Also like, very different from like her being a seventeen year old girl and being a target because of that is very mm-hmm. different from, like, this group of people in Life and Death who targeted Bo because they thought he was a cop. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, there you could literally could not be more different. No. <laughs> there are only two genders. Women and, and cops. cops. <laughs> 17-year-old girls and cops. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is probably, like, the scariest moment in the whole saga. Yeah. Like, it's scarier than a lot of the vampire shit that goes down. I think, like... This is... Because she's helpless here. Yeah, I think this and, for me, this and the birth scene are, like, the most difficult things to read. Mm -hmm. A lot of the other stuff doesn't really compare. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right about the suspense. Like, not only does Bella immediately know what's going on, Mm -hmm. readers immediately know what's going on, too. Without Bella having to say explicitly. It's very subtle. She doesn't say, like, I think these people are going to rape me. She says... She says, I think it might be worse than... Than theft. Theft, yeah. Yeah. She describes one of the attackers as... It's so funny because I do talk about sexual violence so much in my um, day-to-day life that I'm in the habit of calling people survivors and harm doers. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I... (laughs) kind of hate that language, but it's the language that's currently used in where I am mm-hmm. situationally. And so I was like, the harm doer is described as... <laughs> no, the attacker is described as, like, wearing a flannel shirt open over a dirty t-shirt, cut off jeans and sandals. And I felt very attacked <laughs> by that description because I feel like I wear that a lot. <laughs> the, the signaling that Stephanie Meyer uses to let us know right away that these people are dangerous to Bella is really um, Uh, stereotypical uh, in a way that is definitely, like, probably a little classist and inadvertently maybe even racist. Mm -hmm. Calls them grimy. Grimy. Too grimy to be tourists. So, like, suggesting that 
They're not dressed as businessmen, yeah. is what she says. They're, like, yeah. not coming home from the office. And they're not tourists, so they must be, like, vagrants. I don't know. Yeah. Like, others. And one of them just is described as dark-haired, but also one time is described as just dark. Dark, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think is referring to his skin. I think it's, like, referring to, like... Tall, dark, handsome kind of thing. Yeah, like, like without it's a dark person. Like, handsome. Yeah. yeah. But like shady. Still, I mean, that kind of just plays into the general idea of dark versus light and what yes. is good and what is bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely stereotypical, honestly. Yeah, I was thinking about how Bella is very methodological in the way that she thinks through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking this is like a really Virgo way to cope with being yeah. <laughs> followed, herded, or attacked. Mm-hmm. Like, I know my brain doesn't work like this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not how I react. And no. Um, these situations, she is very much running through flight, fight, freeze mm-hmm. with, like, so much... Clarity. Clarity, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, she's not thrown by this. Like, she's obviously nervous, but she's able to tell her... Like, she's able to self-soothe. Yeah. Which is really cool. And also, is it unrealistic? I don't know. Does anyone react like that? I don't know. I don't. I feel like a lot of 17-year-old girls would not. Yeah. And it's like, what Especially in her they, if they don't life have phones. has prepared her to be this able to do that? Right. I mean, she says she's scared, but her narration is not frightened. It's We get, like, a very grounded um, narration from her. And then, mm-hmm. like, later on, it's, for whatever reason, apparent that she's, like, totally fine. Yeah. That's, that's what's unrealistic. Yeah. Bella undergoes a lot of trauma. Yeah. In the entire saga. Some conventional, some unconventional. Mm-hmm. Like, not everyone is almost killed in a car accident. Yeah, not everyone is almost murdered by the child in them. Yes. Fighting to get out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, is stalked by a vampire. Right. But a lot of her trauma is not discussed. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Yeah. I don't know like, how that impacts her beyond depression in some areas. Someone that has gone through these things should be in therapy. Mm-hmm. I know I have said this before, <laughs> but come on. Again, like, she knows all these things. Break their nose, shove it into the brain, finger in the eye socket. hate that. Uh, um, stop, I don't want to read that. <laughs> yeah. Swallowing to build up a decent scream. Those are things that I know, but would never come into my brain at the right moment. Yeah. Anyway, I Edward comes in. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she's saved. She's fine. <laughs> she's saved by Edward. Spoiler alert, oh Bella lives. <laughs> What a uh, beautiful savior. Again, really Whoa. weird that I know, obviously, Edward's going through a lot that, like, he's thinking about when he comes to save Bella. Yeah. Like, he's trying not to kill these people. Yeah. But. It. I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts I about. I hear them. I have a lot of thoughts about Edward being the one who needs to be comforted in this situation. Excellent. <laughs> Number one, unrealistic. Yes. That's mostly it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But, like, someone's almost assaulted, hurt in any way. Like, you need to put your feelings aside and, like, make sure that person is okay. He does kind of do that. He asks if she's alright, and she's like, yeah. But it's like... You can't take someone at their word when they've almost undergone, like, a traumatic situation. Wait, let me rephrase that. Yes, obviously take them at their word. (laughs) But you also need to be more... A level of care. Doing more than just being like, are you okay? And then responding yes. Like, okay, yeah, of course they're gonna respond yes. Right. I don't know who that says more about... I think it says more about Stephanie. Yeah, of course. It is not 
just like I, I I can't explain away Edward wanting to kill these guys because he's a vampire. That's yeah. not why he wants to kill them. No, and it reminds me really strongly of this one person that I had a very challenging time with once when I was mm-hmm. um, doing some fun sexual violence education. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could not. They were there not as a survivor but as an ally, and they mm-hmm. had had people in their lives that had experienced sexual violence, and it's like yeah okay. But they really, like, were, like, centering themselves and, like, their emotional processing of the things that the people in their life had gone through. Mm -hmm. He would frequently, like, distract from, you know, the other things that we were talking about to be like, well, if somebody in my life went through this, like, I would just, like, beat that person up. And I'm like, first of all, not what we're talking about here. Second of all... Unhelpful. Unhelpful. (laughs) Not a sustainable solution to sexual violence Mm -mm. at all. Mm -mm. Like, and and it's just, like, there's so many people that react like that out there because, like, they're taking this analysis of violence that is, like, a personal thing rather than a systemic or power-based problem. Yeah. Edward's not going after these people or doesn't have the pull to go after these people because he doesn't want this to happen to someone else. Mm-hmm. He's doing it because it's emotionally upset him. Mm-hmm. It very much seems like. And so I'm like always annoyed when people react like that because yeah. it's like. It's not about you. It's not about you. Edward is not politicizing the personal. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just, it's so strange that he can't pull himself together enough to just like make sure that she's fine. Yeah. I mean, in, in a way he does. He like literally drives her out of town for a second and then later he's like making sure that she's eating, which I really appreciate personally. Yeah. It just takes him a while to get to that point, and, like, I guess nobody's perfect, but... Yeah, he's... I don't know, he has people in his life that have experienced trauma before, so, like... Yeah. You know, you'd think he would know a little bit more, or have, like, a bigger... I mean, doesn't... Didn't he kill Esme's husband? Yeah. 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 Who was abusive towards her. Although he doesn't seem to treat Rosalie any better. No. It's not to say that, like, Edward can't be emotionally affected by this. Yeah. But, like... because he's hearing the thoughts of... Yeah. The rapist. Which, like, enhances that... Yeah. ...feeling, but he should be able to set that aside and be yeah. able to process that in a space where Bella is not present. Right. Like, he has the emotional support of people that know so much yeah. more about this kind of thing because they've either experienced it or, like, been around it so much. Like, Carlisle, I'm sure, would be a great person to fucking talk right. this through with, which right. I'm sure eventually he does, but you don't need to be laying that all on Bella Yeah. in this moment Yeah. when she has just narrowly escaped being attacked. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess he's, like, trying to be self-aware and, like, he's trying to yeah. an extent. He's, like... He's he's trying, but he's still, like, vocalizing his problems. <laughs> yeah, he's, like... It's just, like, it's very dramatic. Yeah. He literally phrases it as, sometimes I have a problem with my temper, Bella. I'd be like, bitch, not my problem. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's an uncomfortable chapter. Yes. I don't like it. There's so much going on. I do like their dinner. Yeah. But also, I don't know. (laughs) How could anyone be in the headspace? Yeah, it's unrealistic that... Either. Or unhealthy that they would just, like, go on a little date after this. I mean, not that it's, like, a normal date. They're definitely talking about very serious stuff, Mm -hmm. but they're talking about him yeah. They're not talking about her or any, like, things that are wrong with her. Yeah. <laughs> which, um, Stephanie writes her as being disinterested in doing. Yeah. Which is strange. She's like, no, it's okay, I'm really good at repressing these things. And yeah. it's like, yeah, me too, but that doesn't, like, repressing things, like, doesn't mean that they aren't affecting you. Mm-hmm. I mean, he says he's waiting for her to go into shock until yeah. he reads, like, shock. Yeah. Or denial. Yeah. But absolutely. then she never 
processes it. Right. So that doesn't make sense. So it would make sense as denial, but it doesn't make sense that it never goes anything beyond that. Yeah. And I don't like that for Bella. In the movie, it's this moment where Edward is convincing Jessica and Angela that he can drive Bella Mm -hmm. home, and they're just like, "Ah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's a little bit more fleshed out here in that Bella winks at Angela because Angela is trying to figure out from her expression whether or not that's something that Bella wants. Yeah. So it's more of, like, Bella's decision. I super appreciated the way that they handle this in the book. Yeah. Because it's, like... You shouldn't just, like, leave this friend that you were looking for for an hour with some guy that you don't know. Yeah. Just because he's pretty. Yeah. It's so... (laughs) not what you should do. Yeah. I'd like to take a brief segue to do something that I really enjoy, Mm -hmm. which is called reading the Yelp reviews for Bella Italia. (laughs) Um, If you haven't, it's so, so worth it. (laughs) There's three brands of reviews of Bella Italia. Mm -hmm. There's people that come because of Twilight Mm -hmm. and are fans. Mm -hmm. There's people who do not come because of Twilight mention Twilight nonetheless Mm -hmm. and are really upset about (laughs) teenagers being all over the restaurant. These are more, like, relevant in 2008 and 2010-ish. And there's this third brand of review that's like, yeah, it's the Twilight restaurant. Uh," You know? (laughs) Um, That are still, like, fair to the restaurant and don't, like, one-star it. And so those are very fun. So people are saying things like, To be completely honest, we only came here because of Twilight, but I'm sure glad we did. We had both the seafood pasta and the mushroom ravioli, and both were divine. (laughs) There is... (laughs) I came here because of Twilight. (laughs) Hee hee, Edward, Colin, and Bella came here for their first date, and I ordered what Bella ordered, the mushroom ravioli, and it was delicious. Edward didn't order anything to eat because, you know, he doesn't eat food. He's a vampire. And then, I don't care in the least about Twilight. I do care a lot about (laughs) pasta. This was great. (laughs) I want to be there so badly. Good Italian, great wine, nice place, but overrun with teen girls due to Twilight. Don't they have, like, a shrine in the corner to Twilight? They have, like, a Bella's booth. Uh, yes, they have a Bella's booth. This is Bella's booth, so it's this, like, round booth in the corner. Mm -hmm. It looks like a couple bottles of wine and a copy of the Twilight books up in the corner above the booth. And then we should just go get hammered at Bella Italia. (laughs) I would love to go get fucked up at Bella Italia. (laughs) Thank you for that little mini segue. If you haven't already, I would highly recommend reading through the Yelp reviews of not only Bella Italia, but any Forks Mm -hmm. location that is related in any way to Twilight Mm -hmm. or Port Angeles location. It's so, so worth it. Mm -hmm. So now we're transitioning from talking about sexual violence to talking about first dates. (laughs) (laughs) What's Okay, that's great. What was your first date like? I don't really know what I've never really had an experience where, like, someone, like, asked me on a date and then I went on a date. Okay. Like, to start a relationship. Can you make one up? (laughs) Can you pick a time when you went out with someone that you considered your first date? Um, I guess, like, uh, with my ex, we went on a double date in Portland to, um, a pizza place. We also got gelato. How do you feel about a double date being a first date? Fine. They were our friends. Okay. Were you friends with this person before you dated them? No. We had hung out before. Yeah. But I don't remember if we went anywhere. It's not important. <laughs> right. <laughs> to me. Right. <laughs> what was your first date? I was in high school. It was with JJ, my current partner. <laughs> Forever partner. <laughs> 
we were obviously in high school. We were 15, mm-hmm. or he was 16, but I was 15. We couldn't drive. Mm-hmm. So we hung out at his house. I can tell you what I was wearing. Wow. Also, I was wearing dark blue jeans mm-hmm. and a white t-shirt and a yellow and white flannel shirt. Wow. And I don't remember what shoes I was wearing. What was JJ wearing? I don't know. That. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but we hung out at his, at his house and we went outside and he had a trampoline and we laid down on the trampoline and read The Fault in Our Stars out loud to each other. Oh my god. Did you not know that? <laughs> I think I did know that. I repressed it. I don't like being asked on a date. Like, okay. I mean, like, now maybe. Like, if, if Alex and I are, like, going out, we'll be like, it's a date. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't like... JJ and I will go get gas to put in the car, and I'll be like, oh, I love this date. (laughs) (laughs) But, I'm, yeah, I'm very uh, anti-establishment on most dating dating things. Most relationship things. (laughs) They make me vastly uncomfortable because I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. Sam's sweating because I asked her about dates. (sighs) Yeah, I'm really warm now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, last episode you were talking about the Bella Eat Dinner Challenge, and I would I think that yeah. Edward is the number one. Edward is on my side. This. Yeah, he's really trying to get her to eat, which I really appreciate. Yeah, because she ends up being really thirsty without realizing it. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of bullying people into eating. Obviously, mm-hmm. taking care of themselves and taking care of themselves, but especially when they're having a hard time. Yeah, especially <laughs> like when they've experienced something like this. Yeah, for some reason, the first time I saw the Twilight movie, I remember from the book this moment where Bella watches Edward's interaction with the waitress, mm-hmm. and that really stood out to me in the book because Bella is so bothered by this like blatant flirting, mm-hmm. and so I was kind of missing that energy from the movie, mm-hmm. and I remember that from the first time I saw the movie in theaters. Yeah. I remember being like, I wish they had played up this waitress flirting with Edward. It could be so funny. Yeah, it could be hilarious. Oh my God. And I remember thinking that even way back when, and still, every time I watch the movie, I'm like, this could have been so funny. It's so subtle I in the think movie. it also would have provided a better segue from this incredibly, like, dramatic Yeah, it could be comic relief. To this, like, bizarre waitress flirting with Edward. Edward concerned about Bella. Bella, like... Perplexed. Had, <laughs> perplexed, like, kind of dynamic, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was just a missed opportunity, but I think it's written really interestingly in the book, and I yeah. like that there's this, like, third-party... Um, kind of circling around them and, like... Real world cutting in. Yeah, like, providing that contrast to their, like, absurd conversation. Mm -hmm. I feel like there is a, perhaps, misogynistic description of this, of the host. Mm. It seems like Stephanie Meyer has something against blondes. Yeah, I think that the way that she treats Rosalie, the Denali's, Lauren, Lauren, this Mm -hmm. hostess, Mm -hmm. like, yeah. It's just, like, Bella ends up seeing these people in a negative light or has like some sort of negative relationship with these blondes yeah (laughs) and some sort of antagonistic relationship either bella towards them or them towards bella yeah yeah i think it's really dramatic that edward pays the waitress or the hostess to sit somewhere more private it's like this is a small town restaurant you just ask nicely you could just be like do you mind if we sit in that section yeah you but don't have to slip i mean like sure give your waitstaff lots of money but also that's so dramatic it's like it's like a weird energy to yeah. bring into that space. I feel like you attract more attention to yourself if you're just like throwing out lots of cash. Yeah. <laughs> I like this conversation about him dazzling people. Yeah, his effect on people. I like that conversation too. Yeah. It's really, um, it's kind of direct. 
Bella's like, you haven't noticed that you get your way so easily. Mm-hmm. I'm like, haven't you noticed by reading their minds? Yeah. Or do you think everyone is, is always so starstruck and dumb? Says he seemed confused. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure some people just feel like dazed and so he doesn't like know what they're thinking, but mm-hmm. it's like. People definitely look at him all the time, and they're, like, thinking mm. thirst thoughts. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Edward is giving Bella his jacket, and mm-hmm. I and it's described, like, I suddenly realized that I had never once noticed what he was wearing. Yeah. I don't think that's true for really? Bo and Life and Death. Oh. Unless I'm forgetting it. I don't know. Maybe we just haven't gotten to the part of the book yet, and I'm misremembering, but... I feel like we heard a lot about what Edith was wearing. At least later on. Yeah. I know that by the time we get into the next section and they're going The to violet. The, yeah, the yeah. lavender sweater, which I bought one of those <laughs> after I read that chapter. I can't tell. I don't really know for sure, so. I would have to double check and I don't think we have a copy with us. No. I also feel like in the same little section, I feel like canonically he should not be muscular. Why? Because like, he's a little boy. Well, yeah, he's 17, and... Does being a vampire just make you more muscular? I don't know. Does it give you a definition? It just, like... Or does it make you just stony? I wish it didn't. I feel like it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense for it, too. It doesn't make sense, and so it's, like, he should be kind of, like, emaciated maybe, maybe from he did the literal labor. influenza. Yeah. Maybe he had a... Maybe he was a strong young boy with a job on the quarry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In Chicago. <laughs> okay. He, I mean, maybe, maybe when you become a vampire, you return to your, like, most ideal physical form, Mm. so you're not, like, the wasted away version of yourself from Mm -hmm. when you were dying, but I feel like it makes more sense for you to be the wasted away version of yourself from when you were dying. Well, I mean, it does fix you. Yeah. It heals you. Like, when Bella is becoming a vampire, like, her, her broken ribs are mended. Yeah. Which makes sense. She used to be, like, she was sunken in from the pregnancy, Mm -hmm. and then her cheeks became less hollow and blah, 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 blah. So it like it makes it like fixes your ailments, your at least your physical ailments. But then like what is considered a physical yeah, ail- it is implies... ugliness a physical yeah. ailment, <laughs> right? So I don't know. It's a a weird thing to think about. I think that's something that's been speculated about a lot. Right? Is like the implications for like beauty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if it was just like they appeared really hot to humans, and then like when she becomes a vampire, like suddenly she can see that they're actually really ugly and decrepit looking. Yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> like, they look like what they looked like on their deathbed. Yeah, and it's like, really I can't cool. change... No, I can't change you into a vampire, I can't sorry. Change you, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, but yeah, she notices that he's muscular. It'd be probably muscular really, chest. really funny because, like, I mean, obviously, like, Edward would be fucked up from being so sick. Mm-hmm. And, like, Carlisle was attacked. Uh, like, Esme would be, like, hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, like, Emmett would probably still be fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> like, it'd be so unfunny if, like, all of them were, like, really ugly, except for, like, one of them. Yeah. I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm the big boy. Yeah, like, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, actually, I'm really cute. <laughs> I was, like, so delirious when Edward compliments he says, that color blue looks lovely with your skin. Shut the fuck up. Oh I my know. god. What's happening? He's like, uh, what do humans do on dates? Compliment each other's skin. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so True. weird. Edward on a date. Honestly, like, if they were, like, trying to have a normal date, he would be out of his mind. Yeah. 
He would, wouldn't be able to handle himself. Absolutely. He would just be talking about her skin. <laughs> yeah. He talks, she talks about his eyes and her theory about how he's more crabby when his eyes are black. They talk through some of her questions. They're and... just suddenly deciding to be communicative. Yeah. Which I love. I do love them. this. It's about damn time. It's kind of like they've hit the last like straw or whatever. Like they have to talk about it now. Mm-hmm. And also like she's figuring it out and he kind of knows that. So, so he followed her to Port Angeles. Yeah. Problematic. I would, I would like to say that in vampire lore, vampires do stalk. Not necessarily like that they stalk their victims, mm-hmm. which they do, but I think traditionally vampires become fixated on people or mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and will follow people or like just becomes like so infatuated mm-hmm. to the point where like maybe they're they'll like just follow someone around <laughs> just to watch them yeah <laughs> so like that's a vampire thing but also it's not painted as that mm-hmm. it's not like painted as his vampire nature to do that so it's like very interesting that he's chosen to do this yeah we can assume that it's not because he's a vampire right because otherwise his siblings would also be probably following people around because the only time that other vampires will do that is like james being a tracker yeah which is a different situation yeah i was reading this really interesting thing about i was like on a mental health account it was like an ocd account Mm -hmm. and like talking about like the vampire counting thing so like if you spill like a million yeah. grains of rice in front of you, they would have to pick every single one up by yeah. one by one. I've read that. And have to count them, which like somebody was drawing a comparison between that and like also the fixation thing mm-hmm. in OCD, which I thought was hilarious because mm-hmm. I have OCD and it's really funny um, <laughs> to think about. <laughs> You're basically that. a vampire. I was like, oh wow, I cannot believe. You're a vampire without the superpowers. <laughs> I'm a vampire without the superpowers that is in, an, in, in a very, very inconvenient way. Yeah, just the fixation. <laughs> yeah. My superpower is showering. (laughs) My superpower is being extremely clean at all times. But yeah, he followed her, so that's probably not cool. No. It's not cool. I mean, did he save her? Yes. Yes. But was it concocted in this very savory way? Like, this is why, this is why people criticize the story for, like, Bella being a damsel in distress. Yeah. Because she's constantly put, at least in this book, and probably arguably other ones, that she's put in situations where she cannot save herself. Right. Where we would never expect a regular person. Yeah. TM, 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 like Bella is, to, Mm -hmm. like, save themselves from a car crash Mm -hmm. or from... Although she handles it really well. Yeah. So maybe she's not a regular person. I don't know. (laughs) I was thinking also about, in the scene, like Bella tries to touch Edward's hands and yeah. she succeeds once. Edward must be so touch starved. Remember in Life and Death where they become very touchy with each other yeah. at this point? Yeah. Like in the car they're holding hands and stuff. Uh-huh. They accelerate very quickly. And Edward must be so touch starved. Who is he touching? I bet Esme makes him hug. Yeah. For like five minutes. Probably every day. Emmett. Yeah, Emmett. It's huggy. Yeah. And Alice. Alice. And every once in a while on the holidays, Carlisle. Yeah. <laughs> Son. Son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Outside of his family? No. Mm-mm. That's the only people that he has. He does say this funny little thing. He tells her only you could get into trouble in a town this small. You would have devastated their crime rate statistics for a decade, you know? I'm like, are you victim blaming? I also kind of thought that. I was like, I mean, yes, is this a realistic situation? Yes and no. But also, this could happen anywhere. Yeah. And does. Yeah. Fun. Fun for us. Just really fun violence things. I like that he, uh, and the section says, you're much more observant than I gave you credit for. I'm like, this is what we've been saying the whole time. (laughs) He also makes this weird comment. They're talking about all the times that she's almost died and he saved her. Mm -hmm. So she's like, did you ever think that maybe my number was up the first time with the van and that you've been interfering with fate? 
and he says that wasn't the first time. Yeah. Your number was up the first time I met you. Dun, dun, dun. Um, referring to like the day that in in biology class that he literally almost like Snapped. killed her yeah. and everyone else. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting how they talk about it there as if like she's says that yes she does remember it and she like intuitively understands what kind he's of, talking about. Yeah, yeah. We didn't really like in her narrative understand that maybe she had pieced that together. Yeah. Like in this section she kind of lets out that she has even more information or that she's like put together mm-hmm. so much more than she's already listed and she's listed a lot. Also about the stalking thing, she's like happy mm-hmm. about it, which is such a, so a choice. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, kind of definitionally. The information about him reading minds comes out, talks about how he tracked her, and then returns back to this idea of like wanting to kill the people that yeah. almost attacked her. And I was like thinking, like, God, Carlisle would be so pissed if he killed them. Yeah. Honestly, Edward would too, I think. And yeah. Bella, I think Bella would be mad. Everybody would be upset about that. It's, so like, it's like, that's not They don't do anything about the situation. Like, Bella never tells Charlie, not that I believe in the police, but, like, nothing is done to prevent this from happening to someone else. Mm -hmm. Like, they are not reported to any local organizations. Like, Mm -hmm. the men, I mean, Bella doesn't undergo any care, any aftercare. Yeah. She has, like, kind of the greatest distraction in the world, Mm -hmm. which is, like, the supernatural. Yeah. (laughs) So I can see why maybe it'll feel, maybe that feels insignificant to her in the face of something traumatic, but all of a sudden, he's just like, are you ready to go home? Yeah. I'm like, did she finish eating? So far, she's had two raviolis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess she's probably done. Yeah. And then she's, like, thinking yeah. about kissing him. Oh, my God, yes. She's, like, comparing them to Mike and Jessica, thinking about how, like, they're almost at first kiss stage, and she's like, wow, I'm glad he doesn't, he's not able to read my thoughts. And I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> it's dead <Thank> inside. <laughs> we had no joy on our faces yeah. when we said that. <laughs> I'm happy for them, and... That's sad. Yeah. That's sad. It's sad because we know it's not going to happen for... It'll happen in a couple chapters. Yeah, (laughs) but, like, that's, you know, a while. Yeah. Poor Bella. It's just not... She's just so... I was saying to Sam, I don't think we've vocalized this yet. Mm -hmm. Bella was so horny on this date. Yeah. Irresponsibly so. Right. Yeah. (laughs) This reminds me of a, a more explicit scene of Game of Thrones mm. where uh, I don't know what season it is but there's um, one character a woman who is um, almost assaulted by I don't know a number of men I think mm. and she's this is a person who has been um, assaulted multiple times before and she's almost assaulted by some men and then her like love interest comes and saves her from them and then they like immediately have sex after oh. this is Sam and Gilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when that happened. Like there was a lot of outrage because it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like no one's gonna want to have sex after they're almost raped. No. This is like a micro version of that. Absolutely. To me. It's like a seventeen-year-old version of that. Yeah. So now we're gonna do our mini segment, love at first bite. It's my turn. Crunch. That was me biting into an apple. <laughs> One of these days we're gonna do it <laughs> for real. I didn't put any of the, like the like age or whatever. We'll just say eighteen. Okay. Three miles away. Oh. Um, so the photos are, like, they're all candid photos. Okay. Um, like, mostly in the woods, and okay. some of them are, like, Polaroids, like, photos of Polaroids, but those are also candids in the woods. Okay. <laughs> and it says, the bio is, artsy type, not totally lame, will read books with you all day long, then write a song about it. Two asterisks. This bio was created by my siblings. I'm here against my will. Song. <laughs> the bio song is Claire de Lune. <laughs> Edward? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm great. 
don't think that he would ever. No. Ever be on Tinder. But. But there's so many possibilities. If he was, I would swipe right. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Got we're on the same page. <laughs> so, for the next part of this episode, we're going to have a guest star. Her name is Lily. She is someone that I know. Do you want to know? <laughs> I also know her now. <laughs> she works with Alex. You're listening consecutively yeah. to episodes. If you know who Alex is. Yeah. And she... Um, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> it's really insider information at this point. <laughs> and um, she was an English major, which is... Mm-hmm. I'm going to defer a lot of ex- expertise to her now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've already thought of a question. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I love that. So, mm-hmm. much like yourselves, I loved Twilight. Um, my claim to fame within Twilight is that my two best friends and I made um, videos that reenacted the trailers, and they, it, the, the new moon one exists still. It exists somewhere. It's in my mother's house. I don't know where it is. I've tried to find it. You played it's, Bella. I played Bella. Very important. Very important. <laughs> I always played Bella because I was Bella. You yeah, are I'm, the main character. I'm the main character. Yeah. Um, I'm very clumsy, so I really identified <laughs> her in that way. But my friend Megan always played... Edward, um, I think I'm going to send this to them, so hi Megan, hi Brianna, <laughs> uh, but Megan always played Edward and Jacob, and my friend Brianna, who's my, who's my best friend in the entire world, played every other character. <laughs> she was, like, Jacob and the, no, she was, she was Alice and the villains, like, and Bella's dad, and, like, all these, <laughs> like, really, like, a I've saying heard that's, like, one man wolf pack? Maybe. I mean, I've made that up, but I feel like that's that was her. Oh, and my dog played um, Wolf Jacob. (laughs) We did. Oh my god, she's a chocolate. (laughs) We did this. Oh my god, I wish I could find her because this is like peak like Windows Movie Maker editing. Was we had Megan run down like my back porch. And then we like phased in a clip of my dog Luna like running That's into so the good. backyard, <laughs> and like she was like, and it was Megan like taking her shirt off, like <laughs> pretending to like do that whole scene. And then oh, and then another highlight is that we had this like zipline that mm. we got for Christmas one year, like really, really just like mm. a wire, like super unsafe, just wire, <laughs> just wire. <laughs> and then I had this thing that like eventually broke, but um. <laughs> The, so the scene where she's, like, jumping off the cliff in the trailer, or, like, on the motorcycle, and she's like, I'll do anything to see him. It's me going down the zip line <laughs> with a helmet on. <laughs> um, oh so it was, we were, we were self-aware even then, but. Oh, wow. That's a great level of irony. Did you ever reenact the birth scene? No, we didn't do Breaking Dawn. Okay. We were a little too old, but we tried to do uh, clips. Like, we started filming cool clips, and we were like, we're too old to do this. Can we <laughs> like, we were like, I don't know how old I was. Now? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would happily reprise We might role. have the fun. Yeah. <laughs> that will be a Patreon exclusive. Yeah, great. <laughs> wow. I would love that. So you had some, some pre-thoughts? Some pre-thoughts? That, yes. Thoughts that you prepared? Thoughts that, that I prepared. Were, that were pre to this sitting down. Pre to this sitting down. Yes, I wanted to talk about how... Bella is boring girl representation <laughs> and how that's something that as a boring girl in middle school I really identified with <laughs> and I think probably influenced me to become more boring <laughs> or at least to like pretend I was more boring um, can we define boring <laughs> okay let's define boring Bella doesn't have that many interests like she she cooks and she 
she likes to read. That's mm-hmm. also, that's her, like, sort of main thing, and that was my sort of main mm-hmm. thing in middle school, and high school was, like, I like to read, and, like, she did make me feel like that was okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't need other interests, but mm-hmm. also I identified with the fact that she was just very responsible and, like, a good student and, like, read and, like, didn't do anything else, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's, like, how I am. She good, good, good girl representation. Good girl good representation, girl. <laughs> because that's what I felt like I was, um, but also how she... I mean, I think that's obviously detrimental <laughs> to so many young women <laughs> in so many ways. Um, and then, oh, and then my other thing was emo girl representation. <laughs> I love those. About how she's so emotional. And that's something that I think is, again, I feel like you guys have talked about this a lot. She, like, people read Twilight and they're like, she doesn't have any feelings. Or, like, they watch the movie mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, because Kristen Stewart is doing her best to play such an awkward character. But they're like, she doesn't have any feelings. She doesn't have opinions. But she's very emotional and very angry and very sad all the time mm-hmm. and that's kind of mystery. she like lets it out she lets it out mm-hmm. she's mad constantly yeah. in the book she vocalizes it too she like not only lets it out to other people but i think she says it to herself like i am yeah. depressed i mm-hmm. am yeah. angry things like that that yeah. i don't think a lot of people do yeah not at all can i just take a moment to tell middle school lily that she's not boring because she oh, reads thank you <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> Middle school Lily, deep down in here, loves that. Thank you. <laughs> I'll let her know. <laughs> my, my thesis was about, like, um, women's coming-of-age novels, and in many ways I regret not having done a thesis on Twilight, because I think awesome. I could have done too. so many things. I'm in the middle yeah. of one right now, and every day that I look at the document that's empty. <laughs> it's empty. This could be uh, I'm like, this could be about Twilight. Yeah. But yeah. it's also, like, my, my advisor was very into, like, she taught a class on The Wire, <laughs> which is a TV show, and she yeah. was very much, like, even, like, quote-unquote cultural trash, or, like, what we think of as, like, trashy media, like, mm-hmm. has significance, and mm-hmm. it has, like, cultural significance at the very least on, like, the young women who are reading Twilight, and therefore mm-hmm. it's something that, like, is worth being studied. Mm-hmm. And so she would have been so down with me writing about Twilight, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thesis I wrote was about like, development and, like, young women. Part of that was about, um, friendships and, like, female-female friendships and about, like, interplays of identification and then also, like, queerness and, like, queering Twilight would have been such a fun thesis to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that didn't happen. Because Bella does have those, like, individual, like, she has Jessica, who's sort of, like, kind of a, like, mirror figure, like, friend figure, but also not in some ways. And, like, I feel like she has a chance to create that friendship. And then there's Angela, who she really likes, mm-hmm. and, like, doesn't really create that friendship. And there's Alice. But, like, so much of Twilight is this extremely heterosexual, like, the person that you identify most with is supposed to be your, like, partner, mm-hmm. who is supposed yeah. to be the opposite sex. And also possibly who, like, wants to kill you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that whole thing is a lot. <laughs> a lot. And then, like, it's it's kind of, like, the second person from Edward is Jacob. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not one of those, men. those women in her life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She has, like, really fragmented relationships with other women. Yeah. She's not allowed to, like, be with them. Mm-hmm. No. In the in the way that she should. should. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think Alice is supposed to be posited as, like, the closest thing to that. Like, Alice is her friend. Alice is her, like, buddy in a sense, but that's so connected to Edward. Yeah. Like, it's very mm-hmm. much, like, just very <laughs> She never, uh, there's no, um, I think, at the end of the saga, no closure with Renee. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? That's yeah. also, her mom is supposed to be her best friend. We can unpack that, too. We can yeah. unpack that. <laughs> that yeah. whole relationship. 
yeah, it's weird that that whole thing is just kind of tossed aside and explained away. It's like, oh, well, Renee it doesn't live in the area, so she doesn't. It's mm-hmm. not gonna matter. It's like, sorry, your daughter's not aging, and also she has a crazy looking baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like what? Ugh. We've been thinking recently as we've been reading that maybe Stephanie Meyer isn't as bad of a writer mm. um, as people, including me have said in the past. <laughs> People, me. I've said things that I no longer agree with yeah. in regards to And I was wondering time. your English major opinion on that. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think she's a funny writer. I also think that like bad writing is a very Western canon focused thing and like we're like, oh this is good writing, like the great mm. Gatsby is good writing. And mm-hmm. it's like how do we really know? Mm-hmm. And like what does that like even mean? And like there are certain things that are bad writing, but I also think that like if you have a story that's compelling like, that's enough. And that's mm-hmm. sort of something that I was thinking about a lot this summer when I was, like, out of college and reading books, like, just for fun again, not because I was, <laughs> yeah. like, told to in class, yeah. and then told to in class, and then didn't read those. There's a whole John Mulaney bit about how he went to college to have somebody tell right. him to read yes. in Austin, and yeah. then he didn't do it. I'm like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but, like, I think that, for me, like, if a story isn't, like, like poetically written or something, if it still is a compelling story, plot like mm-hmm. that's a good book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I if I read a book that like isn't compellingly written and I don't care about the characters and I don't care about the story like that's the bad book but yeah. maybe it's good for someone else also like I yeah. think that like good writing isn't necessarily part of it but also Stephanie Meyer's a funny writer and Bella has very funny interiority and like mm-hmm. like and again that's the thing that people don't say is like boring girl representation like I'm joking but she's also like <laughs> has all these thoughts and feelings and opinions that mm-hmm. like are present in the text and it's like very I, I think that also part of that is maybe because Bella is Stephanie Meyer to yeah. a certain degree. Yeah. Like, it really <laughs> seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> but Midnight Sun is also good. Yeah. Um, I can't say the same thing about Life and Death. But. That's okay. Midnight Sun That's is really good. And, like, I don't know. She just has, like, she has really good characters. Mm-hmm. Like, the things that she does with them and the choices that she makes are not always the same choices <laughs> that I would make. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, and they have funny banter, and, like, they have really yeah. funny dialogue in a way that, like, a lot of books don't. Like, mm-hmm. so many books have such shitty dialogue, and even mm-hmm. if they're good books, it's like, what the fuck are these people talking about? Like, yeah. I think that the characters in Twilight actually talk like teenagers. Like, they're so yeah. dramatic, which is, like, I think also people are like, teenagers don't talk like that. It's like, no, they absolutely do. Like, that's how everyone talked. Yeah. Especially if you were a teenager that had been alive for a hundred years. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he, yeah. he's both, like, a Victorian man and, like, or no, is he, is it Victorian? It's, uh, early 1900s. Early 1900s. What is that? What's a hundred years ago. <laughs> when? <laughs> 120 years ago. He was changed in 1918. Well, so he's, he's been a vampire for a hundred years. Oh, okay. He's so 119. He's 119. No. He's a hundred. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Now we're the math. <laughs> All right. Anyway, seventeen plus one hundred and two. But have you have you read um, like a lot of YA fiction? Because I feel like maybe some of like yeah. Bella, like Bella is so expressive, mm-hmm. and we get so much of her experience through her narration because it is her narration yeah. in a way that you don't get with other. Not I feel like not yeah. as many like kind of like adult fiction novels mm-hmm. are written yeah. from in first person or like I mean, there's not a lot of. Um, adult fiction in this genre that isn't like romance yeah. exclusively Definitely. or something like that. Yeah. I think that, I mean, there, yeah, there aren't a lot of like first person narratives in adult writing. There's, but also like, I mean, and that's also something that sort of I think is similar to 
think I might use this, like the Belger, I talked about how like that was sort of like one of the first novels that were like really these like very like like expository about mental health and like ways that were good and also not good. But like one of the first like women writing about like really intense mental health related experiences and also like from the first person and like you know the whole time it's somebody plot. Like she's writing about herself. Mm-hmm. Like that's a book just about her. And so I think it does bear a lot of similarities to that in some ways because it is like this really intense like proximity that you get to the character. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some ways that could be like that might be part of what's off-putting for some people about it because you're like right there with Bella and you're like experiencing mm-hmm. all these like really intense like teenage emotions. Yeah. But that's why it's so good because like you are right there like really uncomfortably close to this very <laughs> emotional character who's dating a guy that wants to kill her. <laughs> and then you're like and that's why you're like, wow, this is fucked up. But it's also like that's like that's good writing. Yeah. I don't know. Um and there aren't that many adult novels, but I read a book recently that's called My Year of Rest and Relaxation, which is a crazy fucking book mm-hmm. you should read. Um but that reminded me a lot of the Belcher because that's in first person. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not a it's not a YA novel. It is like an adult Oh, that sounds like it's about porn. It's not. <laughs> it's tied, but like also good. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's like about like a woman in her twenties. But like in some ways, the writing in Twilight is like very similar at times to the writing in Harry Potter. Like I don't think that there's that much of a difference mm-hmm. between those two books. Like J.K. Rowling wrote a really good story. She's not necessarily a great writer. They can spit sentences out, and the sentences like have good cadence and don't always start with I and like follow like the basic things that make you, like, not hate writing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. that's my official opinion. Stephanie's a good writer. Stephanie Meyer was a, was a uh, like, a literature major as well, like, mm-hmm. an English major. And, and people always, like, point to the fact that she, this was the first thing she ever wrote. I'm like, she definitely wrote stuff in college. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah first yeah. thing that was published, let's be clear. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would love, also, to read the other things that she wrote before Twilight. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, like, wonder oh what she God. was writing about, because this, like, yeah. This came to her in a dream, and yeah. it's like, what else is up in that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know the host, what is but... she thinking? In this episode, we were kind of discussing the almost violence that Bella experiences, mm-hmm. um, and, like, kind of the weird juxtaposition of that with her, like, date-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I was saying about the bell jar is that there's a somewhat similar, at least, like, almost sexual assault that happens in the beginning of that book, and a lot of my thesis was about how, like, a lot of Esther, the character in the Belgar's response, or like her depression and her descent into depression and like numerous suicides can be read in some sense as a response to this event that is basically coded as a rape. Like it's not actually in a sexual assault, but it is really close to it. And specifically in the context of the 1950s, like you're not going to write that scene. Like that's probably not going to make it into your book, especially as like a young woman writer that's hoping to get published but how like a lot of her like trauma responses after that event like really express that as being like a significant event of sexual violence for her and like of course there's all these factors even though it's not an actual like actual physical violence depending on how you like quantify like you can't even really quantify that kind of thing but the point is that you can't quantify it and like the sort of like mental effects and trauma effects are going to be similar Mm -hmm. and like there is a reading to be done of Twilight that, like, involves that. And, like, mm-hmm. again, this weird juxtaposition where she has this really traumatic experience. Like, literally, probably, a lot of people in the world's worst nightmare. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, a like really it's scary situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like, I've had nightmares like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she goes on this date, and, like, you could 
read, and just in the very brief time that I was reading that chapter while you guys were reading her. So um, she refers to Edward as her perpetual savior. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I was like, he is, but also, like, what a weird thing to say about yeah. your fucking high school boyfriend. Yeah. Like, and, like, is this, like, a woman who is, like, clinging to the person who saved her and maybe, like, having, like, a response to this and then also but like Bella has this weird violence thing where she's like not afraid of violence she doesn't like feel like it affects her because mm. she feels like she like can fight it and like she goes through she's like okay like how do I like fight them and it's like what are you doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, scream to anything but that um but like she feels like she's so invulnerable which I think is also a high school girl thing yeah. who hasn't been in the world for that long it doesn't like and she says, like, I think that she's like, doesn't drop her bag because she's like, I think that, like, there's something worse than robbers. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she knows, but she also doesn't know, probably, because she maybe hasn't had an experience like that before. And then gets sort of flung into this relationship. And, like, if this were not a supernatural novel where your love conquered all, like, how would that then affect yeah. their it's, relationship? It's never discussed again. No. Like this yeah. But also, it doesn't, like, because their sexual relationship is not something that happens for a really long time. Like, it also is maybe something that isn't coming out because they have this extremely platonic, also extremely, like, safe relationship. Mm -hmm. So maybe, like, that's also something that she really wants because he is her perpetual savior. Or, like, and, like, then again, maybe you can even think, like, she did grow up in Phoenix. Like, maybe this isn't the first experience Mm -hmm. she's had with men following her. Like, Mm -hmm. well, she does keep saying how safe she feels with him, Mm -hmm. which is interesting to feel unsafe (laughs) somewhere else. Yeah. Like, Like, with humans i don't know it makes me wonder how and i don't remember this because i haven't read new moon in a really long time but how she reacts to or eclipse where jacob kisses her eclipse. that's eclipse that's the next time that something like this comes up mm-hmm. i think it's kind of coded into the way that james is yeah um stalking her at the end of the yeah. text but the next time that something like explicitly sexual happens to her at all, really, other than like her, like chase a little mink out to the cupboard. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> other than the leg hitch, TM. <laughs> yeah, oh. the leg hitch um, <laughs> is with Jacob, and it's non-consensual. Yeah, and I don't remember true. the narration around that because I haven't read I it in think, a really long time. I feel like I remember. I read it. I read she's it. Um, angry. Yeah, she is yeah. angry. I read it a couple of years ago. My my immediate thought while you're describing that is like her going through like fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, and I think. Mm-hmm. She's trying to fight it at first, but he's so strong yeah, that I, yeah. I think I remember reading that she just accepts it and, like, goes completely still and waits yeah. for it to be finished. That's Which is such a, like, direct, like, you're in the middle of traumatic event, like, that's yeah. Like, yeah. textbook. Like, Which yeah. is so much more, I think, realistic than what happened to her in this case. Yeah. But it could be influenced by that. I also think there's probably something, like, like really nice for her about, like, Edward not really wanting to have sex with her, because, mm-hmm. like, it does feel like this, like, there's not, like, she doesn't feel pressure. Like, he obviously, yeah. like, wants her, but there's also this whole other issue where he, like, wants to kill her. <laughs> and that's, like, sort of the more Aww. immediate thing. That's, like, <laughs> and maybe, honestly, that's easier to process as, like, a 17-year-old girl. But, like, it's easier to understand, like, this person wants to murder me versus this person wants to, like, yeah. abuse me, basically. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. always the promise that it'll 100% of the time, whenever it happens, be on her terms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is nice, and as that's like she's a human. Honestly, something that like should value about Twilight, like in terms of like you know teaching young women like mm-hmm. consent, like. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because it's like totally not the way that she wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> she meant it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she meant it as like chastity. Yeah, <laughs> chastity. Yeah. But it's also like 
But she also does, like, really write that he, like, really, really wants to have sex with her. Like, that's kind of clear, I feel like. Yeah, eventually, I think he, they have to they have to talk about it, and he's yeah. clear about it. But, he's but also, she like, also really wants to. That's yeah. also she, part of it. She really wants to. He's connected um, this idea of, like, virtue to, mm-hmm. like, her virginity and, like, waiting till mm-hmm. marriage. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. So. From, yeah. like, literally 119 years, well, not at that point, like, 100 years, mm-hmm. Before he had like had these internalized it is values. Crazy that he's a yeah. Virgin also, like, yeah, that's insane. There's also there's definitely like a ton of problematic discourse like online at the time that Twilight came out and people were like bashing it and they're like, mm. like I think there like there was definitely a ton of like if your boyfriend is sparkly and doesn't want to have sex with you that doesn't mean he's a vampire and it's like oh yeah oh like, yeah that happened and people really? said that yeah. and like I haven't heard that in so long. I know I mean, that was like a blast that from the threw past. Threw me yeah. back. <laughs> People always were like, Twilight's gay. And then, like, now people are like, Twilight's gay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like, probably the energy that I probably expended on, like, defending how Twilight was not gay back in the day, mm-hmm. at least in my brain, mm-hmm. to now where I'm like, Twilight is gay. Yeah. It will be gay. Oh, that's also, that reminds me of something else I really wanted to talk about mm-hmm. was because, um, another thesis thing. Um, <laughs> This is so (laughs) Rene Girard is this theorist who's I I forget like most of his deal, but I use him in his in my thesis because he has this theory that the like intensity of emotions, just for lack of whatever he was saying, between two rivals of the same love love object is just as sexual Mm -hmm. and just as potent as the feelings that they have for the Mm -hmm. love object. And so I talked about this because like uh, so Half my thesis was about the bell jar, half of it was about Sula by Toni Morrison. And part of Sula is that um, the main character, now marries this guy. Her best friend Sula, like, comes back home and sleeps with her husband. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, and Sula, like, are gay together. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, a whole, like, acting this out about how, like, they really want to be together, but they mm-hmm. have to do it through the husband mm-hmm. because, like, still, like, it's the 1970s. Like, people still aren't really, like oh, like, they have this complex female relationship that can be all of these things, and, like, mm-hmm. they love each other in a way that is not just friends, very clearly in the book. Um, but I think Edward and Jacob <laughs> are a really good example of this. Yeah. Because there is so much there between mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah. That's the more interesting way to read their love triangle, and, like, there's a conversation that they have in Eclipse that's in the book and in the movie. It's like, I'm hotter than you. <laughs> but also in the um they're in the tent and Bella's like kind of asleep. And yeah, that's that's my I think not it's not my favorite part of the whole series, but it's well. It's really funny. <laughs> and, um Edward, I think I'm pretty sure this is also in the book, but it definitely is in the movie. Edward says to Jacob, maybe like in another life or like if this wasn't our situation, I would actually like you. And Jacob is like, No. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is so so much more than Edward being like, we can be friends. She yeah. Like, no, we'll never be. And it's like, you don't want. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's also really. so much more interesting to think about supernatural relationships between like two different beings. Yeah. Rather than like a human, human. and and a human and. Yeah. Not um, to mention like the theory that I'm, I don't even know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but I've talked about this a lot in my life, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is that because like the, the idea that Jacob um, is drawn to Bella because of Renesme would also indicate that he'd be drawn to Edward for the same reason. Yes, yes. yes. So I love like, that. I was so much. reading something recently that was talking about like the life cycles of sperm versus egg, mm-hmm. um, and how like 
sperm only exists in the body for like a certain amount of time, whereas like eggs are, you know, chill in there for quite so, some time. So, yeah. What so moment would that be? In it the would be, I didn't, they didn't figure out the exact <laughs> moment, but they figured that this experience of like overwhelming like love and like, like attachment to Edward mm. would have happened for Jacob probably like the last like few months before the wedding which is oh completely checked the yeah. fuck out because he's in love yeah. with Edward yeah wow. so wow. they don't pinpoint the like, exact good, moment that that would start yeah. happening but I mean but there's also like there I'm sh- I, I, I have no idea but, how reproduction works just to get that out of the way but there's like some sort of like you're giving your genetic half your genetic code is going yeah, to your baby yeah. so like half I mean, of Edward's yeah. genetic code becomes Renesmee like that's gonna make a Jacob into Edward right and also I would, like, the way I, I hate getting into the discourse of, like, how this pregnancy fucking happened. Oh I but, know! Like, I recently read the, I'd read it before, but I recently read it again, the Stephanie Meyer explanation, and it was so upsetting. Yeah. How, what'd she, what'd she say? She talked, like, she goes into, like, her version of, like, anatomically, like, what, how, like, how Edward. A man and a woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, so when mommies and daddies yeah. love each other, and they're blessed by the Lord, <laughs> Um, it was about, like, how, like, his semen is venomous, I think. Oh, yeah. Semen is venomous? Okay. Okay, but I read, so I read this as, I feel like the only way, like, his body wouldn't produce more sperm, so the only sperm that he has is the sperm that he was frozen with. He He has not ejaculated since he, um, was turned into a vampire. Yeah. Um... There's also just no way that Edward masturbates. Yeah, as a yeah. he definitely yeah. do that. So vampires don't have wet dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like vampire wet dreams is when you get single. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think I think that means that he's had that sperm the whole time. So Jacob could have been yeah. drawn to him. What Twilight character are you? <laughs> she she want to say it. Upset. <laughs> you wanted to say it earlier. Well, said yeah, it. Bella. I'm Bella. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me tell you the reasons. I have brown hair. <laughs> I'm white. Um, I'm clumsy. I like to read. And I like tall men. <laughs> I thought that was going to be God. Okay. I, I love Jesus. Alex actually, actually sometimes calls me Christian Kip. <laughs> because I was, I was raised extremely loosely Protestant, but I did see a nativity when I went home a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. So We should plug something. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> what did we do? If, good job, if we were yeah. like, like on the air, I would make everyone <laughs> yeah. plug their favorite thing about Alex really loudly. <laughs> we can do that anyway, really loudly. Yeah. Right now. Okay, everyone, share your favorite thing about Alex. <laughs> you go first. Uh, <laughs> I love his need for attention. <laughs> Also knew in my brain that he's on the cusp of Capricorn and Aquarius, yes. and yeah, he always really his first response to everything is, "Oh, that's expensive!" or "Oh, that was cheap." <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, his lack of responses reminded me that my favorite thing about Alex is how aloof he is. Yeah, <laughs> Aquarius. <laughs> he's like a cat.
Actually, I think that was good. I think we can just keep that part. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. though I'm yelling? Yeah. Should I do mine again and clean tape? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll suffer through it later. Okay. Yeah. Did you see how movie I watched? No, you know how aloof you are. <laughs> <laughs> Which you just Bye. disproved by disproved. coming in here. <laughs> tipping us head and tipping back. Pluck your favorite thing about yourself. Let's wrap her up. So, thanks, Lily. Thanks, Thank you guys. <laughs> thanks for being here. I've been waiting literally my whole life to <laughs> be given a platform to talk about Twilight as much as yeah. I just did, and also my thesis. Hmm. Anyways, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to share any social media? Or oh, like um, yes. Or any big projects you have coming up? Any on? big projects. Um, <laughs> my Instagram is KillyLip. I mostly post pictures of my cat now. Mm -hmm. I used to. New cat mom. New cat mom. Mm -hmm. Um... I have a Finsta that you can't follow, but I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> can I follow it? You can follow it. Yes. It's mail order midwife. Or, and um, it's also mostly pictures of my cat now. <laughs> but sometimes it's funny, too. Um, and I'd like to plug the video that I made in middle mm. school. You also can't see that, but it exists, so you should just know that somebody did that. <laughs> oh, wow. Beautiful. That's all for us. listening to gender forking all of season one is now streaming to stay updated about the podcast follow us on twitter and instagram at, at genderforking for more twilight content from us you can follow our blog at bowlingshirtfellows.tumblr.com for other inquiries email us at bowlingshirtfellows at gmail.com if you're interested in supporting the production and maintenance of this podcast head to patreon.com slash genderforking the music you are hearing is from oh